So today's reading is from Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 30. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible for man is possible with God. Peter said, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. I think we should always have fireworks when the the word of God is read. (laughs) How amazing. Uh, Let's pray as we come to just spend some time listening out to God through the Bible. Heavenly Father God, some of us have known you a long time, some of us have known you a short while, and and some of us may not know you yet. And we pray now, we open ourselves to you to hear from you. Would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit tonight? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, uh, we're continuing our long um, preaching series through Luke's Gospel tonight, and uh, we're looking at this, uh, in particular, we're looking at this um, amazing conversation, interaction between the, the guy who's often called the rich young ruler and Jesus. And this is a story Uh, which, an account which appears in three of the four Gospels in the New Testament. This is a really significant one um, that we we can read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, And we have this respectable, serious man comes up to Jesus. He's he's probably a high-ranking official or magistrate. Um, you know, um, in Matthew's gospel, he tells us that he's a young man, probably in his 20s or 30s. He comes up to Jesus. Um, the, probably, maybe the kind of present day equivalent would be one of these like tech startup, you know, these like young guys who are like 
billionaires in their 20s kind of thing. He's done really well for himself. Uh, he comes up to Jesus with this really, like this, this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And yet, in our passage, you might have noticed a few different metaphors being like thrown around. Um, you've got verse 18, it, you know, inherit eternal life. Then ahead in verse 25, um, talks about entering the kingdom of God. And verse 26 talks about being saved. All of these are talking about the same kind of thing. Um, you know, they're driving at the same point, a, a God-empowered life, which, you know, which continues after death, um, which is lived in allegiance to God, like on God's territory in his kingdom, and is a rescue from our sin. You know, the, another way of phrasing it might be like, what does it take to be a Christian? What does it take to live following Jesus? So what we're going to do tonight is we're, we're going to just walk through this interaction again. Do it, you know, slow it down and notice what Jesus is saying. And there's a few little side digressions will go on as well because there's a few kind of questions that come up um, which we'll look at as well. And, and just a heads up, there's bad news before the good news, <laughs> okay? There's like, the, as you can expect, there's, some, there's a kind of bit of discouragement before the encouragement of, of the good news of God. So we've got two bits of bad news and then two bits of amazing news. Let me pick up in verse 18 and let's start to read through um, this passage again. So a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your mother and father. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. Now, you might be thinking, wait a second, did Jesus, what, what did Jesus just say? Let's rewind a second there. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. What does Jesus mean by this? Um, you know, surely Jesus is like the only person who can actually accept that compliment if, if goodness is God's alone. Um, and some people actually would read this and conclude, well, actually Jesus isn't, he doesn't, he never claimed to be God. Um, here. But, but that's clearly not the case. Um, Luke, the gospel writer, clearly does not believe that. I mean, just look at, um, look at the things that Jesus does in Luke's gospel, let alone the others. Um, he forgives sins, and as he does it, it's recognized only God can do that. Um, he raises the dead, heals the sick. He's crucified and comes back to life, is raised to life. He sends the Holy Spirit of God, etc. Um, that's, this is not what Jesus is saying. Rather, Jesus is actually drawing attention to the, the assumptions behind this guy's question. Because um, actually, let's just, uh, his question is, what must I do? <laughs> what must I do? to inherit eternal life. There's this assumption that our goodness comes from our performance. Goodness comes from what we do. If we do good things, then we become good. 
But actually, you know, it doesn't work that way. Um, the Bible tells us goodness is, an, is like an attribute of God. It's like God is good. It's just in his nature. It's in his being. It's just who he is. And any goodness that we might have is like a kind of pale reflection. It's like a shadow um, of that. So, um, you know, aiming to live according to the moral teaching of God, you know, Ten Commandments, which Jesus quotes a little bit here, is a good thing. Like, please do it. Let's try and do it. But the, the key mistake we can make, along with this young guy, is if we think the, the basis of that is what makes me good enough for God's love. And make it, we make a mistake if we make that like the basis of our standing with God. And you know, this can be so challenging for us to wrap our heads around because I don't know about you, but I'm so used to like applying myself to something to achieve success. That's, I feel like that's just what our culture is. We, 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 we're constantly asking, what must I do? You know, what must I do to achieve like the top grades? in my course or at school? Like, what must I do to get my dream job or, or the promotion that I really want? What must I do to discover what my true identity is? What must I do to find fulfilling relationships, etc., etc.? Um, it's so easy, you know, to fall into this way um, of relating to God, whether a Christian or not, um, but actually, this is not what God's heart is for us. And so Jesus like cuts him off right at the chase here. Why do you say, why do you say good? Let's continue. Verse 22. When Jesus heard this, when he'd heard this guy said, I've kept these commands all my life. He said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And uh, in the, the other gospel accounts of this, it says he, he departed, he went away. Um, and since the, this young man kind of leaves the scene now, and Jesus begins to talk about him. Um, you know, Jesus had been quoting from uh, the Ten Commandments. These are uh, it's kind of a big part of God's moral law in the Old Testament. Did you know that on, on the East End wall up here, we've got the Ten Commandments written out? I don't know, you're probably never bored in sermons about a church, but if, you, if you've been wondering what, what's written on the wall up here, you've got the Ten Commandments. Because um, this is where, back in the old days, you'd come up here to, uh, to receive communion and uh, you could, to help you, confess, I guess. You could see the, the commandments. And um, first of all, Jesus quotes from the second half of the Ten Commandments. You know, um, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't bear false witness, honor your mother and father. These, these second half are like the, the ways in which we act towards other people. And uh, Jesus now, he like draws in the first half because the first half of the Ten Commandments are about how we relate to God. The first commandment is this. I'll read it from the wall. This is probably from the King James. I am the Lord thy God. 
thou shalt have none other gods but me. I'm the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. That's what Jesus is like, this is, this is your issue. And he, uh, he brings that out. Um, you know, he just put, Jesus puts his finger on what the issue is for this man's life. Jesus is so good at doing this, putting his finger on like the key thing, the key issue. And uh, it's so, again, it's so easy for us to, uh, for God not, to, for us other things to get put before God in our lives. Uh, in the ancient world, there were lots of idols which represented different things. Um, in our culture today, there aren't so many idols, but kind of physically, but, it's, but there are things that, that we can, things that we seek, things that like control our lives, that we um, that we find ourselves like, obsessed with or addicted to um, that can take God's place. And for this guy, it was his money. It was, that was what his life was all about and he couldn't let it go. Um, you see, the ruler, he's asking the wrong question. He asked, what must I do? But really the question is, it's who must I accept? Who must I put in the first place in my life? Like, who gets top priority? in my life. I wonder like what what is it that it's what is it that you you think you couldn't go without in your life in my life. Like where do we consciously or unconsciously seek security and comfort in? For this young ruler it was his money. Um, and Jesus calls us calls him to this like radical reliance on God, not himself, not ourselves. Um, you know, this guy was young, he was wealthy, he's an, an overachiever, he probably succeeded at everything he tried. He was hardworking, he was used to achieving his goals. I don't know if, if you, you might resonate with that tonight. You're, used to, you're a high achiever, you're used to getting what you set out to do and achieve. And yet, Jesus wants, he wants to put his finger on what's the thing that you and I are seeking security and fulfillment in? What would we struggle to give up in order to more fully rely on Jesus in our lives? It might be money, but it, it might be something else that you're rich in, I don't know, like education or um, relationships. It might be God, that, that might be. He might be number one priority um, in your life. But for all of us, whether we're Christian or not, this is challenging for us. Um, before I got ordained, and I, I, so I was getting ordained as a deacon, so two and a bit years ago, and I was gonna come and, and start, start ministering here at St. Paul's. They take you away on a retreat, and, um, and Bishop John, he wasn't a recently the Bishop of Warwick, he's, he retired a few months ago. He um, gave us the Bishop's Charge, which is like this. He gives you like this kind of pep talk, basically, before you go and get ordained. And um, he said this phrase, which just stuck in my mind, and God really, you know, he kind of was the voice of God to me. He said that the thing that's most important is not who you are, but whose you are. The most important thing is not who you are, like the things that you have, the things you can do, the things you can bring, but it's who, who you belong to. 
namely God, namely Jesus. And the more we can live out of that place, the closer we are to the Lord. And I don't know, and perhaps I just had a sense as we were worshipping tonight, perhaps there'll be some of us here who you're hearing all this and just feel, feeling like exhausted in life with, with trying to hold it all together, with, with uh, trying to achieve, with maybe it might be worldly things we're achieving, it might be just in the way we're approaching faith, that we're just, the way we're seeking to like achieve God's favor or like um, serve him for a reward. And I just want to read um, some words from Matthew's gospel. It's got them up on my phone here. Um, This is from the message, kind of paraphrase, um, well-known words of Jesus. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That is the invitation of Jesus to each one of us um, here tonight. I want to get onto the good news. I want to get onto the good news. Just, just a really, uh, just really briefly, a little aside. Um, this passage does beg a question, which is, should Christians own anything? You know, Jesus says to this guy, "Sell everything, give, give to the poor, and come and follow me." So, should Christ, can Christians own anything? Should we sell everything, um, give them away? Is it okay for us to have savings or own property? And the short answer is, yes, it is okay. Um, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be looking at uh, another story of another rich man who has an encounter with Jesus, tax collector called Zacchaeus. And um, Zacchaeus' life is just turned completely inside out. Uh, he becomes a follower of Jesus, um, and he gives away, he promises to give away a proportion of his wealth. For, for him, he had a different, a different heart issue to this guy. So Jesus doesn't call us to give away everything. He might do. He might call us that to do that. But um, instead, Jesus wants to put his finger on um, like where the like real stronghold um, in our life is that's not God. Um, So whatever we're rich in, whether that's money or anything else, we're called to be generous with that and to um, to live a life that's outward focused. Anyway, that's really, really brief. You could do a whole sermon on that, but um, I just wanted to give a few words to that. Okay, let's come to the good, the good news. And it might, that might sound like we're not quite there yet when I read the next few verses, but we are. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What's impossible with humans is, in, is possible with God. 
Jesus uses this really um, strange analogy, right? Um, it's, it's easier for a camel. So a camel is the largest animal, would have been the largest animal in first century Palestine. So when he says camel, you know, he's like saying elephant or blue whale. He's saying biggest, biggest animal you can imagine. Um, and a needle is like, this, a needle would have been fairly common. Most people have had had one with them or at home it was like the smallest thing and the whole of a needle absolutely the tiniest thing a kind of commonplace um, item so Jesus is saying it is impossible you can't get a camel you can't get a big camel through the eye of a needle um, you know it's so impossible that that the question comes back to him it's not only um, who who then of rich people can be saved they're like oh man this, this is everyone. <laughs> How can anyone be saved if this is the, if this is the case? You know, um, riches were supposed to be a sign of God's blessing and, and favor. So if those who are rich, it's like this, then how about for the rest of us? Is kind of what, what this, um, uh, this question is. But what is impossible with humans is possible with God. And it, that, that's the core truth of the Christian life. It's at the heart of the Christian life. Um, Hear these words from Paul's letters to the Colossians. Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We totally rely on Jesus to rescue us, to, to get us through the eye of that needle. And, and how does he do this? Well, he does this on the cross, the cross of Jesus. You know, Jesus on the cross, um, in, in a few short chapters, uh, and we will get there in this series as we get to Easter, um, Jesus is crucified, he's executed, and he's put on the cross, and, and he goes there in, in the place of each one of us. Um, on the cross, Jesus makes what is impossible possible. He makes it possible for us to inherit eternal life. That eternal life that he has, he gives to us. He makes it possible for us to enter the kingdom of God. He makes it possible for us to be saved. And you know, it's nothing on, on what we've done. So you, approaching God saying, what must I do? What good thing must I do? to inherit the kingdom of God is completely on the wrong track. It's nothing what we have done, everything what Jesus has done. You know, Jesus lived that pure life that that we never could. He kept God's law perfectly and fully. He relied on God in a way that none of us are able to. Jesus stepped into our place when he died on that cross 2,000 years ago so that we might go free, so that we might have life with God. And this is the offer from God for you and for me, for each one of us, for the whole world, whether you've been following Jesus a hundred years or whether you're not a Christian yet tonight, this is for us, wherever we are at. We, all we have to do is accept. And we'll have a time to pray in just a few moments. There'll be a chance to do that in prayer, just to accept afresh or maybe for the first time, uh, Jesus' gift of life for us. Let's finish the final verses of our passage, verse 28. Peter said to Jesus, we've left all we had to follow you. 
You know, we've done it. We, we, left the, we left the boats and the nets when you called us. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So here's the second bit of good news is Jesus is saying, like there's blessing when we wholeheartedly follow Jesus in our lives. You know, God promises us that putting him at the center, far from like making our lives empty and impoverished, actually is a place to find true riches. Um, you know, no one is, becoming Christian might mean having, well, it's going to mean letting some things go and particularly those things Jesus has put his finger on in our lives that we find most security in. Um, but God promises that putting him at the center of our, our lives is good for us. That's what he's saying here and it's worth it. Now Jesus is not advocating for abandonment, not saying you, need, you leave your family behind, leave your spouse behind, your children, your, your job. No, he's not saying that. Um, although for, for some, um, becoming a follower of Jesus will mean an element of, of rejection. And for some, um, yeah, there's painful rejection in family, friends, um, in different networks. But, but rather, Jesus is saying that when we heed his call to make God number one in our lives, there is blessing for us. Um, you know, beyond what we give up or what we deprioritize, those kind of idols that we put, we put in their place. Um, one way in which we see this blessing is in church family. You know, as a, as a church here at St. Paul's, you know, we are part of God's family. And actually beyond that, um, all, all Christians all over the world, we're part of the same family of Jesus. And so that means that, that the church family is like a home, like a spiritual home for us. Um, the relationships we have with each other is, is real blessing. Um, you know, the, in the church, in God's, God's people, we find like our true vocation and our calling. These, thing, these are all things that our God promises are like way better than the worldly equivalent. So there's church family. And secondly, there's, there's the spiritual blessings of knowing Jesus. The Bible talks about love, experiencing real, deep, like proper love, um, joy, peace that goes beyond our circumstances, hope for the future, comfort when we're in distress. I know just from my own personal experience, and I'm sure you know, many of us or all of us will be able to attest to that, that God works these things in our lives. Um, and, and can take real trials and in those we, we have his peace, we have his joy, we're able to share his love. These are things that come from following Jesus, a gift for us. And the blessing isn't just now, but he says also in, in the age to come, you know, um, beyond this life, there is eternal life. So the, our passage began with what must I do to inherit eternal life? And now Jesus finally like, comes back full circle. Here you go. This is where you get eternal life. A gift from God uh, when we live 
with him at the center. It's like a, so we, we started with that bad news, but this is, this is a total reversal. You know, instead of trying hard to earn our way to God's acceptance, we're welcomed in. And those like good deeds of love, they begin to flow out of us as a natural response to God. Instead of trying to balance God alongside other things to give us security and purpose in life, you know, we actually, we're freed to live without these things controlling us. I want to finish um, just picking up a detail that we only see in Mark's gospel, in Mark's telling of this conversation. Um, it's a sentence that like has God's fingerprints all over it. And it's this. Um, and part of the uh, conversation, just this is as Jesus is about to respond to this man. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looks at you and loves you. Jesus wants the best for you. Uh, Jesus came in order to set us free, to free us, not to set up barriers, but to bring them down. Not to put weights and burdens on our back, but to take them off, to free us. Jesus looks at you and loves you tonight. Will you let him look at you and love you and respond to him tonight? Uh, in the, the short few verses before we uh, before we came to, to this passage, we had Jesus welcoming the little children, you know, and this invitation to receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you know, trusting uh, without an agenda. That's the model, and it's contrasted with this poor, rich young man who wasn't able to do that. Now, tonight, you know, you... You might be a Christian, you might be a follower of Jesus, you might not be sure uh, about Jesus, you might, you might be seeking. Um, maybe you're aware that like, you've been trying to be good enough um, with God or, or something else has come in and take his place, taken his place, number one place in your life. Let Jesus look at you and love you tonight um, and let him speak to you. Let's pray. We're going to have a time to pray and just allow Jesus to do that. Can I invite you to stand? Um, let's stand. If the band wants to come up, that would be great. And let's just have a few minutes now to pray. So I invite us to, to close our eyes. You might find it helpful to put, put your hands out in front of you just as a posture to receive from God. And um, I just pray. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Come now and minister to us, speak to us. Lord, there have been things that from this passage which will really like have stuck out to us that you're highlighting for us. Lord, bring those back to our mind. And can I invite each one of us now to let Jesus look at you. He loves you. May the idea of Jesus looking at you might be really uncomfortable or it might be wonderful, but let 
Let's just allow him to do that. Let him look at you. Let him love you. And just listen out. What is he saying to you? What, does he, what word does he have for you tonight? Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us. And Lord, would you help us to respond? We, we choose to respond to you. Whether it's we've just been striving, we've been approaching life with you like it's a job, like it's a tick list, like it's a duty, like it's earning something. Lord, Help us to just receive from you tonight. Oh Lord, if something else is is in the driving seat in our lives and it's not you, but we would love for it to be, Lord, come come and take your place in our lives tonight. And Lord, we choose to receive, maybe for the first time, maybe for the many, you know, umpteenth time, which is to receive the grace that you've offered us. Lord, you went to the cross in our place. You've, you've paid the price for us. Uh, and Lord, you call us to follow you and to be free and to live that life. Lord, we choose to, yeah, Lord, if you, let's, let's just respond in our own way um, to the Lord, to his offer to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.